0: This is Chattanooga Civics. I'm Nathan Byrd. The Hamilton County Commission is in the process of drawing new district boundaries. This redistricting process has the potential to reshape county commission and school board elections for the next 10 years. In this episode, we'll learn more about how this process works and how to get involved.
1: Nathan. Uh, My name is Michaela Winter, and I am with the community-led redistricting campaign. Um, I am happy to be here today, and thank you for inviting me on.
0: Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I just want to start with a very basic, simple question. What is redistricting?
1: What is redistricting? Um, Local redistricting for Hamilton County means that we will take the entire voting age population and divide it into a set number of countywide districts. Our county commission looks like they will be going with 11 districts. So our goal through redistricting will be to get um, those those districts as close to the ideal population, which is 11 districts divided by the entire voting age population. That number is um, 33291. We want to get as close to there as possible. So redistricting is where we divide up the county into geographic areas that will then be used to elect uh, representatives at our school board and our county commission.
0: So this is compared to, you said uh, the current proposal has 11 seats. This is compared to the nine seats that we currently have in our county commission and our school board. Is that correct? Correct. And, and this redistricting process, it, it impacts not just the county commission, but the school board, they, they use the same district map. Do I have that right?
1: Well, the county commission is to draw the lines for the school board. Um, the school board has always mirrored the county commission's districts. This is the first year that there has been conversation about the school board breaking away from that and oh. different maps being drawn from the school okay. board. We have asked for clarification on this um, from the chairwoman, but based on historical precedence, um, the the County Commission does usually all years before uh, 2021 this year mirror the County Commission districts.
0: Okay. So I wanna get into a little bit more of that detailed process, but first I wanna just ask again another broad question. Why are we redistricting now? What is the impetus for doing this this year as opposed to any other?
1: Absolutely. Um, Redistricting is required by federal and state law every 10 years. We do it directly after we get all the new census data so that we have the most accurate count. The census is done once every 10 years, and it's tasked with counting every single person in the United States. Um, And so we take all of that data and use it to reapportion and then redistrict for all of our electoral offices.
0: Okay. And so what kind of are the impacts of redistricting? I mean, you know, drawing the district lines, knowing what district you're in, it's important to know that just so you know who to talk to. If you want to talk to your county commissioner or on the city side, your city council representative, you need to know what district you're in. Uh, But why are these lines important? What does it matter if the districts are just square or trapezoid or, you know, just pick a random shape and fit together a puzzle piece and make sure that they all have the same population. Uh, So what are the differences between all these different lines and why is this such an important process?
1: Where the lines are drawn matter because it determines the level of civic engagement for each district. If districts are drawn in a way Where the same incumbent will win election after election. Um, We don't see candidates who are authentically engaging with their districts. They are not forced through competitive elections to get into their districts, knock doors, talk to their community members, be responsive to the needs of their communities. It also matters um, for who can run for office. Um, Where the lines are drawn, If they break up neighborhoods that can break apart community power, it can keep the needs from the community being met at that neighborhood level.
0: So you're saying a a line could be shifted per se from, you know, you have a a line that encircles a whole neighborhood, say you live on Signal Mountain and the district line covers all of Signal Mountain and somebody come in and draw a line right through it. Now Signal Mountain's in two different districts or pick any neighborhood. Is that
1: kind of what you're getting at? Correct, Um, and there's some, it's come up, uh, this redistricting cycle, uh, if Red Bank should be in one or two districts, Mm -hmm. if municipalities should be left um, whole in these districts. And it really depends on the unique needs of that community and that municipality. There are communities within municipalities that can influence um, the elections. We know that in the current nine district map, Red Bank, the southern half was in District 6, the northern half was in District 2, both of those halves carry about 15% in both District 2 and 6, so Mm. they can ultimately influence uh, who wins in each district.
0: Right, and I I could see, just kind of thinking out loud, I could see uh, pros and cons to, to both, say you have one municipality like Red Bank that's represented by a single commissioner, now they have a stronger voice in that commissioner's uh, constituency because they make up a, a bigger majority of it. Whereas if you break it into two districts, now each part of Red Bank has a representative on the commission and now there's two commissioners where as opposed to one, but they make up a smaller piece of each commissioner's constituency. So, you know, on some of these questions, I mean, is there a right answer? Is this just something that the community has to kind of come to an agreement upon?
1: It's something that community members need to weigh in on, they need to identify the unique needs of their district and advocate for that. Red Bank um, is having a conversation right now about what they would like to see. I would hope that all the other municipalities are also um, trying to, to leverage their needs as a community to balance their representation needs. But it is something that ultimately the communities need to weigh those pros and cons and have those hard conversations.
0: So let's start getting into that conversation about uh, how this process works. Is it the same process every 10 years or does it change, you know, every time we go through the census, is it does it work a little bit differently?
1: What I am seeing, um, I've done a lot of research into the 2011 process and a little bit of research into the 2001 process. And... Based strictly on the Commission's records from the meeting minutes uh, regarding redistricting in 2011, it would appear that there was little to no public comment. Um, There is a quote from a community member in 2011 right after the maps were adopted. He's speaking to his commissioner during the public comment period, and he said, we have not seen the maps that you guys voted on. We were told that we would see these maps. You voted on them and adopted them, and we're just today seeing them. So we know that uh, the process in 2011 was largely done behind closed doors. It looks a lot different this year, and we are grateful for that. Uh, The GIS, the map drawing piece of this. Um, The geographic information systems in um, Hamilton County have been tasked with the actual technology piece of drawing the maps and they are doing it in the commission room. They are um, changing lines in the commission room as the commissioners ask. And then the commissioners are also making requests through email uh, via the chairwoman um, to the GIS map drawers in between those uh, redistricting workshop meetings where they're able to ask for it in person. So we've seen the process change pretty dramatically since uh, 2011 on the commission side. And then I also think that it's notable that here in uh, 2021, this is one of the first redistricting cycles that we've had where map drawing software like Dave's redistricting app is available to community members. Districter is available to community members for free. If you have internet access, then you are able to log on, uh, see your precincts, see the census data, even draw your own maps and really latch onto that map drawing piece. In years past, the um, for community members to have access to the map The mapping software, it was about $10,000. So obviously, that's pretty expensive. Uh, Most voters don't have access to those kinds of funds to to draw their own maps. So we are really, really excited to see these free tools like Dave's Redistricting and Districter available to community members so that they can engage meaningfully in this process.
0: And so you said the GIS department is in charge of drawing these maps. And I guess, um, you know, the GIS department has a pretty intense data set in terms of, you know, all the different current commission districts are mapped out in GIS, and that's where citizens can go and look where their current districts are. It has all sorts of information about points of interest in each district. Uh, they list all the schools, cemeteries, fire uh, truck stations, and emergency vehicle stations. And I'm I'm guessing that all of the census data has been input into those maps directly. So. I mean GIS is a really powerful tool where you draw a line and now all of a sudden this shape will tell you how many people are in that shape. Uh and, and I'm assuming that's why they've kind of been drafted to to do these map drawing exercises. But in terms of moving those lines around at the at the behest of the commissioners um this is during the the typical weekly County Commission or, or monthly county commission meetings that they're they're just drawing lines and, and seeing how the map changes?
1: They um so how the process has transpired at Hamilton County is that they uh, scheduled redistricting workshops. And the workshop portion of the meeting is when the GIS person is in the room. They were scheduled at one PM. Um, and then unfortunately that meeting time changed uh, back to They've just been saying it's directly like following their regular work sessions at 9:30, and that has been a barrier of access for community members because we need community members show up at 11 o'clock. We need right. a time. Uh, people have to people's constituents and voters' time is valuable, and. Uh, the commissioners have kind of gone back and forth about this meeting time to make it easy for them because they didn't want to have to wait around after they got done with their regular work meeting at 9 30 until 1 pm um, and really 9:30 meetings in the morning are not accessible we were able to have a flood of teachers last week at that commission meeting because uh, they were on fall break and right. we were Elated to have so many teachers concerned about the school board districts attending the meeting, but they regularly cannot go to these meetings because they're teaching our children at 930 in the morning so Wednesday, we also this coming Wednesday, um, it appears that there's not been a redistricting workshop scheduled. Um, Usually it's posted online and then we're also given public notice Um, we were not given public notice last week, um, so it would appear that maybe the workshop portion is finished. We'll find out on Wednesday.
0: <laughs> so we won't know whether or not the workshop is going to continue until that meeting.
1: Unfortunately.
0: So I guess given that this workshopping process is at such an odd time and that it may already even be over and we're not sure if it is or not, uh, how can citizens get involved in this process and make their voices heard in terms of where they think these district lines should be?
1: We are uh, recommending that at this point, constituents contact all of their commissioners and ask that the maps um, that they have, But we as community members, but then also the commissioners have more time with the maps um, to analyze them, to understand the impacts that these maps will have on our elections for the next 10 years. Um, if it's a, if we can post the link to contacting them in the show notes, that is that possible? Yes. That would be great. Um, I'll make sure that you have that. Um, but just a quick email to all the commissioners saying, hey, we don't need to vote on these maps yet. Um, we need more time with them. Um, that goes a long way also. Uh, asking the commissioners to host public meetings, to bring the maps to their constituents, to inform the voters, to engage with them. Um, we have a big election year in 2022. We don't know that all the commissioners redistricting now will still be here after those office elections in 2022, but we know the voters will still be here. They need, they need to have a stake in this process. Um, At community-led redistricting, we are also um, hosting a series of redistricting 101 sessions that are meant to help community members advocate for themselves and their communities in this process, and we supply the the information and the tools to springboard that. Uh, We're also hosting redistricting 102 sessions. We have one coming up tomorrow night, um, which is a kind of map analysis. It's how we can draw our own maps, how we can analyze what these maps for us mean now, and how we can move forward in advocating for our communities.
0: So when people are reaching out to their commissioners, I want to make sure that we all kind of have an informed idea of of what the parameters are for drawing these maps, just so that we're not throwing suggestions out there that are, you know, legally incorrect. So what are what are the, the bare minimum kind of legal parameters that are used to draw these maps to make sure that we're following all the rules?
1: In Tennessee, um, they are supposed to be compact, which means that they should be as close to kind of a regular shape as possible, like a circle, or um, they shouldn't have jagged lines that break up neighborhoods. They should have kind of ground, smooth district lines that follow roads, natural boundaries, things like that. Uh, They do legally have to contain equal population, so um, getting as close to that that number that I mentioned earlier for each of the 11 districts, they are allowed to deviate um, up to 5% on either side, so 5% positive or 5% negative from that ideal population, and that's it. Um, Those are our only legal requirements in Tennessee. Other states, um, it is legally required that the districts Um, respect communities of interest, and that's that neighborhood piece that we talked about. It's those communities that need to have their um, community power left whole to really be able to advocate for themselves. Um, Right now, um, Tennessee does not respect communities of interest, but many other states do, notably.
0: And so what are kind of the areas of interest that you have seen people rally around in this redistricting process? I know we were talking earlier about Red Bank. Is it going to be in one commission or two commissions as a a civic entity? Um, What are some other kind of rallying points that you've seen throughout this process?
1: Well, we're getting two big, we're getting two new districts. Those are some pretty big changes. Uh, One of the new districts includes uh, Lookout Valley, Lookout Mountain, St. Elmo, parts of East Lake, and parts of downtown. Um, It's been called into question, because East Lake has historically been in District 4, will the constituents of East Lake still be able to elect their ideal candidate? Will it still be mathematically possible for them to elect someone that they feel truly represents their needs while they are grouped with St. Elmo, Lookout Mountain, Lookout Valley? that has been raised. Red Bank has been um, raised as a point of contention for if it would be divided and put into two districts or just one. Um, most of the municipalities like Collegedale, um, that part of our county, that kind of southern right-hand quadrant of our county, has exploded with growth since 2011. It's one of the fastest uh, growing District seven was was had the most growth since um, 2011. So trying to navigate that while you know district five hasn't grown at all, what does that mean for district five? Also, why is district five not growing? Why are districts four and five not growing at the same pace as the rest of the county? What does that disparity look like there? Recently, uh, Sale Creek and kind of the northern part of that county um, being left in one district was brought up at the um, commission. District's crossing uh, the river. Um, Historically, district six has crossed the river. District four actually used to cross the river and between 2001 and 2011, district four had normal park. So it crossed going uh, north. And uh, this year, the commissioners did say that they really preferred that no district cross the river. And with this um, 11 district proposal, none of them do cross the river, Um, but it's been difficult because we saw a proposal for 11 districts, 13 districts and 15 districts at the very beginning that had, um, I mean, they were breaking up communities left and right. St. Elmo was broken up, Alton Park was broken up. And so we kind of got this scatter of drafts and then this proposal was released to us last Wednesday. So the the community is very much still trying to to figure out what this means for them and what changes they would like to see. Um, And hopefully we'll be able to keep advocating for those, those points of contention and those areas that the communities are asking for changes. Hopefully we'll have some more time for those changes to be made before they're actually passed.
0: Right. So we, we talked about how, you know, we're not even sure at this point if the community workshop segment is still ongoing or not. Do we have any idea what the overall timeline looks like in terms of when these are going to be presented for a final vote?
1: Um, so today is October 18th. Um, We have a commission meeting the 20th, this Wednesday. It looks like the resolution will be brought brought up there. They've told us that we will have 14 days, which would put the vote on the November 2nd meeting. The commission is not meeting the 3rd because they have have a conference that day. So they've changed their uh, meeting date to the 2nd, which actually gives us 13 days from the 20th. Um, But it's looking like November 2nd will probably be the day of the vote.
0: Okay. And then you mentioned earlier, um, you know, different states have different requirements for how these maps need to be drawn. So zooming out and focusing less on the 2021 redistricting process and looking ahead, I know it's a long way away, but 2031, uh, what are some things that citizens can be doing in the meantime to see if we can change rules or, or change the way these maps are drawn legally and what organizations and what representatives need to be contacted to make your voice heard to impact not just the maps that are drawn but the process by which the maps are drawn?
1: A lot of, um, there have been several bills come up in our state legislature referring directly to local redistricting. Um, so our state representatives do have the ability to change some of these laws to make Tennessee a state that respects community of, of interest and makes this process more transparent and accessible to community members. I definitely recommend um, contacting your uh, help, your representative from the house um, about ways that we could enshrine transparency in this process for the 2031 redistricting.
0: Great, and uh, you know what are some other ways to get involved? I know you mentioned a couple of workshop and sessions uh, that your organization is running and kind of 101 sessions. Um, is that gonna be continuing even after this process? Is there going to be some kind of community process between now and 2031 to kind of lead that way?
1: Well, um, our first step after the new maps are adopted is to go knock doors and let everybody know what new district they're in. Um, We have had some really dramatic changes here. We're gonna be going right into the school board and county commission districts, Mm -hmm. uh, elections in 2022. And our first job is to go knock on doors, let people know where their new um, polling locations are as well because something with redistricting that I think gets overlooked often is that the elections commission we'll redraw all the precincts lines and Scott Allen our um, administrator of elections has advised that we currently have 135 precincts and we could go down to 65. So as that is redrawn that's going to be a lot of changes for voters and they need to be informed and engaged there so that they can vote um, knowing what their new districts are knowing who the candidates are in the 2022 elections.
0: Great um, is there anything else that, that you want to make sure that we cover, that you make sure our listeners are aware of going into this process, both into the 2021 process and, and beyond?
1: I, I think that uh, the biggest thing here is that um, redistricting should be voter-centered. Um, this is an opportunity to make our districts make sense, and to increase civic participation through district lines that are reflective of communities rather than partisan political um, interests like that. I think that um, the biggest thing here, the bottom line is that redistricting should be focused on our constituents and what will get the most people to the polls and make voting and civic participation at the local level as easy for all of the residents of Hamilton County as possible.
0: Great. Well, Michaela Winner, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Nathan. It was a pleasure.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chattanooga Civics. Our music was written and recorded by Kevin McLeod. If you have any questions or feedback, please send me an email at chattanoogacivics at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at chatcivics, or visit the website chattanoogacivics.com. Thanks for listening.